Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. But first, yesterday, Yosef Pushka was convicted of murdering 23-year-old Ashling Murphy, who had gone out for a run in Tullamore County Offaly in January last year. And it was a case that shook the country. We want to hear how you're feeling as the news of the verdict settles. And do you feel safe as a woman in Ireland? Um, I'm joined on the line now by Rebecca. Good afternoon, Rebecca. Hi, Maid. How are you? I, I'm OK. I suppose I'm feeling like a lot of women are uh, relieved that a man like that is uh, being put away. But also, uh, I spent last night with my friend out having dinner and we talked about this for a long, long time. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on all of this? Um, yeah, so I am of a similar age group. I'm 22 at the moment, so um, I'm similar to you. It's been a huge conversation in my age group of young women. Um, and I think the general consensus is that we're both, we're feeling fearful but also quite angry as well I think fearful because no one feels safe in their own country at the moment and no one feels like there's really anything we can do to prevent these things from happening anymore but then also anger because it seems whenever these horrible events happen that the following discussions are always centered around what we can do as young women to prevent it happening Mm -hmm. instead of including all cohorts and age groups in the conversation, you know, I don't think that the conversation should should be exclusive to young women because it's a a problem we should all be discussing and it's not down to, you know, what we do and where and where we are. Mm. All these facts are significant. They're they're not what we should be exclusively discussing and I think that the conversation needs to be had between people of all ages and genders and every age cohort. Yeah, I suppose what you said there, Rebecca, you're 22. Uh, It's it's 20 years since I was that age Um, and the things you've just described there, I would have felt the same. So I think as women, we instinctively feel fearful once we start to go out on our own. So you know, I can't think of the exact age, maybe 16 or 17, you know, when I was going out without my parents, um, I would have instinctively felt fearful and looked over my shoulders or made sure I walked on the side of the street that was well lit. Um, And for me, it was back in the day before phones. Um, But nothing really has changed in those 20 years. So it seems to be this is this is our problem to solve. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I think there's not really, uh, there's only so many precautions you can take. I mean, what do you do? My age. Yeah, what do you do on a night out? Do you you stay in touch with friends? You, you know, I, I was speaking to my friend last night. She would make sure she brings, you know, a pair of runners in her bag, maybe change out of shoes and put runners in her bag. Uh, we've also, I have done this lots of times, put keys, you know, between my hands, uh, just walking home. And when these conversations were had around Ashling Murphy's murder, I was talking to a lot of men who were not aware that we were doing this. Yeah, I, 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 I think that is the case. I think, as I said before, I think these discussions are generally had between young women mm-hmm. and a lot of other people are quite unaware. Like most girls my age, we won't get into taxis by ourselves. We won't walk home in the dark. Um, you know, even going for runs with headphones in and making sure that we can always see someone in front of us or behind us, mm. making sure someone is always aware where we are and who we're with. But 
it seems like no matter how many of these precautions we take, there still is that fear. Yeah, uh, I just found that the taxi last night myself, I, I needed to get from... Dawson Street in Dublin to just behind St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin. And I Googled it on the maps because I wasn't exactly sure of the, the location of where I was going. And it was just shy of a 15 minute walk. But when I looked at the route, I knew there was certain sections that are not very well lit. So I decided to get a taxi. I got into the taxi and the taxi driver said to me, listen, love, you'd be much quicker walking. Myself and yourself are going to be stuck in bad traffic. And I just said... I don't feel safe on that walk. And he said, oh, sorry about that. So he drove me. So I was, in fact, longer in the taxi, but I didn't feel safe walking to that place. And I'm talking 6.30s, you know, 6.45 last night. Um, So it is, it's a feeling that we have kind of regardless of our age. Uh, Rebecca, stay in the line there. Uh, Alison Nitrasic joins me now, Gender Equality Rights Representative in UCC. Uh, Good afternoon, Alison. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, good to talk to you. How do you feel after yesterday's verdict? Um, it's, it was definitely the right decision, kind of affirming in a sense that, you know, there's a recognition of kind of that what's being done is wrong. I feel sometimes these things will be in the news and people forget about it. Or, you know, hmm. it will be, you know, this happens, let's move on. But, you know, even restarting this conversation and the fact that, you know, there is justice being given. You hear so many court cases of, not specifically of murder, but women experiencing violence and being dismissed. Um, so I think it is affirming for a lot of women to know that this sentence is appropriate and mm-hmm. that there should be stronger and consistent punishment for the suffering that's going on consistently. Mm, um, there really was an overwhelming feeling of sadness after Ashling Murphy's murder. And I think it was because there was this realisation that women's worst nightmares can come true. Yeah. They really can. Uh, There's a text here. um, Hello, I would add that many of these precautions are one I take and I'm in my 50s. Um, I I think, uh, yeah, I don't think it stops. I mean, I I was saying to Rebecca just a moment ago, from the time I've started going out alone, maybe 16 I have taken precautions. I still do. And I did just last night. Uh, text, I was never afraid of being out my own until this happened because of the randomness of it. Uh, what would you say to that? Alison, would you, have you been nervous out on your own before this awful crime happened? Definitely. No, 100%. Um, especially, you know, there's like in a university setting as well, there's so much that goes unspoken about but there is always that sense and feeling especially there's such a heightened use or like presence of assaults um, and violence that could occur in universities because something that has come into discussion recently is something called the red zone um, where there's like there's young people who have grown up in environments or learning environments from social media um, so say like the rise of Andrew Tate's, you know, and attitudes towards women um, mm. that are coming into universities. Um, and again, like there's people who will discuss this and people who are learning about, you know, the whole handing, holding the keys, walking home to people who don't want to be present in that mm. conversation as well. And with this thing with the Red Zone, it discusses how like young people are coming into universities, like learning how to use alcohol, like uh, trying to understand, you know, something like sexual intimacy. And there's the, the highest amount of instances of assaults in universities are in those first few weeks and it's a repetitive cycle of new students coming in and understanding you know attitudes and consent and 
you know, it's a conversation that has to keep going. Mm. But um, 100% um, walking home and being with friends, like UCC is very good. They have an initiative of walking people home. You can sign up to it, you can call. Um, so how, do, what does, very, what is, how does that work? Explain that to me then. Is it like a, a buddy system of walking? Yeah. Okay. It's, a, it's kind of a buddy patrol system. I don't know a huge amount of it myself, but I know it's present and it's like, it's very reassuring. But it's it's there for a reason. There's people scared constantly and people are aware of that as well and other people can choose to be ignorant to it. Mm, I actually saw a, a, a quote from Sarah Benson, CEO of Women's Aid, and she said, women are not afraid of the dark. You know, it's not the dark yeah. that we are afraid of. Uh, thanks, Alison. Um, hang on there. Uh, Aileen Hickey is with me from Parent Line. Uh, good afternoon, Aileen. Right. Uh, how, sorry, I couldn't hear you there. You there, Aileen? Yeah, can you hear yeah, me? I right? can hear you now. I can hear you now. Uh, thanks for joining me, Aileen. Uh, how are you feeling about all of this? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, my first empathy is to Ashley Murphy's family. Mm. But, you know, I I was very glad that it was a unanimous verdict. Um, I thought the prosecution did a superb case. And Ray Lawler, as senior counsel, uh, prosecuted extremely well. So, you know, I suppose it's a huge relief that, obviously, that he was convicted. Um, And what um, Tony Hunt, who was the, the, the judge on the case, said about evil in the room and that, you know, he will get retribution. Mm. I think that's all very important for women to know and for the family of Ashling Murphy to know. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to paint myself anywhere near um, Ashling Murphy here, but, you know, I, I do know what it's like to be followed and uh, to be fearful and, you know, to, to, to fear you're in danger because, you know, I, I run a lot and I used to run a lot more in the dark. I've actually taken a lot more precautions now and I try and run a lot less in the dark mainly because I'm fearful because I have been followed a few times Have you? Um, and Are you sorry, yeah, a, have, f- yeah. a, f- a few times Aileen? Yeah, yeah, a few times, yeah. Um, coming out of Rathmines a couple of times, um, I've been followed. And, and I don't mean, you know, just lightly followed. I mean, significantly followed, whereby I was afraid. I ducked into, um, you know, I, I, I ducked into a garden one time, a garden of, of somebody that I knew, mm. um, and I waited for the person to pass. Um, and, um, yeah, so it, it has happened to me a couple of times. I mean, you know, I, I, I've, I've also, you know, I, I've, I've had, you know, crowds of you know, usually young fellas kind of shouting at me as I'm running by, which can be very intimidating. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I think... Have we become it, too just, accepting of that? Because even mentioning that, I know absolutely. maybe some years ago, you wouldn't have mentioned that. People would have said, oh, that's just teenagers. Or they were just yeah. 90, 18 year old fellas, you know, having a laugh. We, we, yeah, we, but, uh, we just accepted we, that we, for we, too we, long. We absolutely didn't accept it for too long because, you know, it is, it's misogyny, in, uh, uh, um, you know, at, at, at best. And, you know, and misogyny actually is something that I think should be criminalised in the first place uh, because there's a huge amount of it out there. Um, and, you know, mis- misogyny is fine, but, it, you know, it, it can, um, I suppose, you, you know, it can be the start of something in that, you know, you don't want young boys and teenagers and young men thinking that they can get away with any sort of gender-based abuse or gender-based violence. Um, and obviously taking that to the limit is femicide. But, but, you, but you don't want that message getting across to teenage boys at any stage. And actually, you know, speaking as the CEO of Parentline, one of the areas that we would deal with a huge amount is child-to-parent violence. And it's interesting because our stats show us that the majority of the child-to-parent violence is conducted by young 
boys, uh, usually between the age of 12 and 18, and it's usually directed against the mother. So, you know, there's something in that. There is something in that. And and what, what you said, though, you know, we have all felt fearful at some point. And I think that's why this particular case uh, has has really... I suppose, struck a chord with so many of us because we have all felt fearful. And also, we all know an Ashling. You know, when, when this happened, I think everybody was thinking they possibly had a daughter around the same age or they were around the same age themselves or a younger sister or in my case, maybe my child's teacher or my own niece. You know, we have all uh, felt that fear and we all knew someone in, in that bracket. Uh, uh, there's a text I mean, here. Yeah, yes, yeah, I have a 23 year old. I, I have a 23 year old daughter who does, you know, go, go, you know, she might walk to the gym late in the evening or um, I have a 21 year old who does a bit of running um, and I'm always waiting for them to come back home. And, you know, I, I say the same things to them that I have tried to put in place myself to run in well-lit areas, mm. to, to, to run or walk, never within music or anything in your ears because you need to have all your senses, you know, entirely awake so that, you know, nobody can come up behind you or nothing can be sprung on you. Um, and to always have a plan, you know, whether it's their phone in their hand with a number pressed into it. But, you know, it, it, it's terrible that you're asking them to do all that, you it know, is. for simply going out for something as as simple as a, a run of- or a walk to the gym or mm. a bit of exercise or whatever else it is. But, but unfortunately, that's that's the way it is. Yeah, it just he I, I reminds me of something I remembered, uh, and I cried actually when I read this. It was in the days after Ashling's killing. Um, it's a, the, her mum said that the last thing uh, she'd say in the morning when she went out the door was, "Ma'am, I love you." You know, to her mother closing you know, just before she closed the door, and I remember reading that crying, going, "My goodness, I just couldn't." I couldn't cope when I, I saw that. And you described me, you've two daughters around that age and they are telling them to mind themselves when they're just going out to do a bit of exercise. Uh, we're going to uh, stay with this, but we're going to uh, take a quick break. We'll be back with more after this. It's Maraid in for Andrea this week. And yesterday afternoon, Josef Pushka was convicted of murdering 23-year-old Ashling Murphy. And it was a case that has shook the country. Um, today, we want to know, do you feel safe as a woman in Ireland? Uh, Aileen Hicks. CEO of Parentline is still with me. You're still there, Aileen? Still here, Mairead. Good. Uh, I want to read this text to you. Uh, Mairead, I'm a man and my eyes were opened during this case to how afraid women are. I honestly never knew that they were. I've changed my behaviour. Not walking behind them on a footpath, I cross the road instead. But I don't know how I can assure them that I am not a danger to them without scaring them. What can we as men do? What would you say to that listener? I mean, he seems to be doing well, the right things. Well, you're absolutely doing the right thing. And the fact that he's, he's conscious of the effect, even his presence behind a woman, I suppose, mm. is, is remarkable. And, and the change in his, you know, his, his proposed change in his behaviour is very respectful. It, it, it doesn't mean to say that a woman still won't feel afraid if a man is walking close to her late in the evening that's just unfortunate and most men obviously are not going to commit an act of random violence or an act of gender-based violence but because there has been such um, an abundance of these acts and because so many women have experienced stalking or uh, fear unfortunately it's just the way it is I mean what I would say is that there is um, an element of more needs to be done at governmental level. I mean, there certainly needs, and I know this from being out in the evenings, there needs to be more 
um, you know, more street lighting. Mm-hmm. There needs to be more CCTV, and there needs to be a bigger guard presence because that in itself would be a bigger would be a big help. But there are plenty of areas, and I'm I'm only talking about Dublin. I'm not even talking about rurally, but there's plenty of very dark lit or unlit areas yeah there sure is I, I know plenty of them too um, thanks Aileen uh, another text here my boyfriend and I had a conversation about this we were out walking and there was a girl being pestered by a man at a bus stop I saw she was very uncomfortable so we stood b- beside her I said to my boyfriend that isn't it terrible that he couldn't do that to help her if he was on his own because she would have probably have been more frightened um, I suppose he probably could have, I don't know, maybe he could have said something, but it's an interesting point. Uh, Alexandra Ryan is the CEO of Goss.ie and she joins me on the line now too. Good afternoon, Alexandra. Good afternoon. Uh, do you feel safe as a woman in Ireland when you are out and about alone? I honestly don't think there's any woman mm. in the world that feels safe when they walk about out alone. I think it's interesting that this case really brought the topic forward and it's interesting to hear that texture Texting, because I do think a lot of men didn't really understand what it's like today to day. I feel like women have a whole other level of anxiety that they deal with that men just can't even comprehend. It's, you know, you're going on a date with someone and you're texting your friend and you're not texting them to let them know how it's going. You're mm-hmm. telling them to let them know you didn't get killed and that you got home okay. I know. And that's just very, very different to how men have to deal with situations. Going out for walks, you're scared to wear, you know, gym gear that might be too tight in case it gives someone the wrong idea. You're looking over your shoulder. You don't have your earphones in. You're not on your phone. The case did heighten the fear, but I don't know if people realize this fear has always been there. And I think what the case did is it just realized people's fear in a much more way, worse way because we've all had that moment where someone walks behind us and we've been like, God, you get a fright, but then you make it home and Ashton just didn't make it home. And oh, yeah. unfortunately, that's something that we worry about all the time. Yeah, I mean, every one of us has had our heart beating, you know, out of our chest just with nervousness to get home. Uh, every single one of us has. And I, I, I was speaking to Rebecca earlier on the programme. Rebecca's only 22. And when I go back to when I was her age, that is over 20 years ago, I had all those similar feelings. It, so nothing has changed nothing, in those 20 years. And I would say in, in a, a sad way, things have got worse in a way because we should be at a point where you know, sexism, gender-based violence, that those things are starting to calm down. But if anything, it feels like they're much heightened at the moment. Now, it could be a mixture of we're just getting the news a lot more often. But I do think, even when you see cases like this or you see people coming out chatting about how they feel, there is quite an aggressive, defensive rhetoric sometimes that comes from the other side. You know, mm-hmm. that women are imagining it, that they, they aren't that hard, that, oh, it's just as tough for men. So sometimes it's aggravating, even though something like this has happened, that there's still a lot of, misunderstanding um, and I think misunderstanding of how these sort of things occur you know people aren't born murderers and rapists it's something that's taught them through society in terms of even when women slag each other you know they call someone a slut or you know a man disrespects a woman he wolf whistles down the street all those little things they're all seeds that plan to this bigger issue that unfortunately leads to things like this I know that sounds crazy that something so small could but that's just the reality so I think that's what makes it more scary for women is it's not that every single day we think we're going to be murdered, but it's every single day we're dealing with something. It could be in the workplace. It could be in a public situation. It could be in a relationship. It could be walking in the street and you are attacked. It just feels like every single area of life for a woman, you're dealing with some Mm. sort of abuse or sexism or bias. And it's just so difficult. I think we just want a bit of a break. Like we want to feel safe just for once. 
I, I'll ask you the, the question that I was asking Aileen. It's from a, a listener who said he, a man, his eyes were open during this case to how afraid women actually are. He says, I honestly never knew that they were. Uh, he has changed his behaviour. He crosses the road. He doesn't like, he won't walk behind a woman on a footpath anymore. Um, he, he just, he's saying he doesn't want to scare them. And what can he do or what can we do as men? Uh, what advice would you give to that listener, Alexandra? I honestly think, to be honest, a big part of it is just education. Because as you were saying a few minutes ago, it's well and good to like step behind someone or not walk them too close. But in general, I think it's education from a young age and also men talking to each other. Like I did um, an interview interviews campaign with the Department of Justice last year. Mm. And one of the big things I kept saying to people is like, you have to let the book stop with you. So if you're in a lad's WhatsApp chat or you're on a night out with the lads, and someone feels up a girl that doesn't want it or, you know, gives them a wolf whistle or says something really disrespectful, the man, the friend, you know, like step up in that conversation and tell them that it's wrong, that that's not right. Because it's not just about making women feel safe in the moment. It's about actually stopping these issues in general. So it's educating each other, calling each other out when things like that happen and protecting other women, I suppose. You know, if you're in a pub and something is uncomfortable, like that texture you were saying, Mm. like step up for them make them feel protected because I just honestly don't know if it's enough to stay a little bit further back from someone you know that's not going to change the world what's going to change the world is allowing certain behaviours and conversations and language towards women because I really do think if we eradicate that the the percentage of people that are going to go that far to murder someone or rape someone it, it should be smaller if we're growing up where we're educating in a world that those sort of things are not tolerated even from the very very basics of just flagging someone off like and that's literally how it can start we see the the hashtag uh, a lot, uh, you know, not, not all men, but I suppose what you're saying, we, we need all men to get involved in this conversation. Yeah, it's so important. Like, I think it can be difficult for men sometimes to hear these conversations because they feel like we're against them. Yeah. It's all women against men, etc. But it's, it's really not like, and, you know, men that are attacked and men that are murdered are also attacked and murdered by men. So it's men in general is what the problem is, but they can be talking to each other Talking to their sons, like I think really it is the, the young age we need to get to people okay. to have these conversations. Um, I'm sure you've seen statistics already that, you know, boys as young as eight are, you know, finding porn and the first videos they see are hardcore, violent, it's terrifying, choking, all those things. So we're growing up in a world where that is just what people are going to see. So it's up to us, the parents, the teachers, the friends, the dads, whatever, mm. the guardians to talk to people really, really young and make sure they understand that that is not OK. Because unfortunately, there's a rhetoric that those sort of things are OK. Yeah. Uh, stylist Laura uh, Mullis joins us now. Uh, good afternoon, Laura. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Uh, so what is your take on this? I mean, I think uh, what Ali said, uh, no woman anywhere in the world feels safe when they're out on their own. But uh, what's your take? Do you feel safe in Ireland? You know what? I, I feel really saddened by the outcome of Ashling Murphy's life. And I mm. hope that the verdict will bring some comfort to her family. But I think as women, we do feel on edge and scared. And I think when we all heard this, horrific news of her murder a lot of us would move differently and try and figure out okay well how can I take precautions but can you really take precautions to the extent that you need to no one would have thought that going for a run that this would end up the way it did and it's just so senseless and horrific 
Mm, it really is. There's a text in here. Uh, as a 50 year old woman, I cannot exercise at all in winter months as I cannot safely run in the dark. I work in a very uh, stressful job. Exercise is very valuable for my mental health. Um, I'm so tired of hearing my male colleagues just talking about going, walking home or going for a run after dark in the winter. Thanks for highlighting this. I mean, look, Sarah needs to, um, this, Sarah is the listener who sent that in. I suppose Sarah needs to get into a bit of a group. And I have noticed a, a shift. I don't know if it was, if I'm only noticing it now because of the case. Uh, but since the evenings have become darker, I don't see women out on their own. I see bunch groups of them, you know, runners of four and five people together. Um, has anyone else, have you noticed that, Laura? Well, Maria, I was out for a walk myself yesterday with my dog and I was just thinking it was kind of dusky, it was getting dark and I just felt a little bit on edge. I was listening to the podcast, the News Talk podcast about Ashling mm, and Frank I just podcast, felt yeah. shook and I did notice women in groups but I noticed a lot of women talking about this and in passing, I remember I, I ran into a lady I knew and everyone was kind of waiting for the verdict. So I do think that with this on our minds, no one could help but be on edge and kind of think, oh my God, it could have happened to anyone. Like my own little sister is a teacher. It's, it's mm. a profession. I suppose we all know someone who's a teacher. Yeah, that's I what I'm saying. We all, we all know, we all know an Ashling, whether it is your niece, your little sister, yeah. or the, the local teacher. Uh, I think that's what made all of this so, so incredibly sad. Um, I life do. Was just beginning, Marais. I know she's starting out yeah. very, very bright. I mean, the other things. I, she was an angel by by all accounts. That's how her dad described her as as a little angel. She was the youngest. She was an excellent teacher, uh, a marvelous musician, and those things need to be really highlighted about her now. Her legacy. Yeah, her legacy. Well, uh, we hope yesterday's verdict has given Ashling Murphy's heartbroken parents, Ray and Kathleen, and her sister Amy and brother Cahill and boyfriend Ryan, some sense of comfort because they have shown so much courage. What has uh, obviously been a very traumatic time for them. Um, thanks to all the callers, Rebecca, Alison, Alexander, uh, Aileen, and Laura. Uh, we have uh, more on the way. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.